I'm Donna. And I'm Carrie. And we are Paranormal Chicks. Episode 278. You know what we forgot last week? You're going to let me do it? Go ahead. Patreoners! Yeah, we were like, you know, 80% through the episode, and I was like, we forgot to do Patreoners! I mean, what the hell is wrong with us? A laundry list is wrong with us, but I don't know what we were doing. So, thank you so much, Michelle F. from California. Maria G. from California. Hannah L. from Louisiana. And Shy J. from We Need Your Address. Why do we need your address? Not to stalk you, to send you shiz. So if you want to be in on the good good, the extra bonus content, like every week an episode, and stickers, letter, all the things, head on over to patreon.com slash the APC podcast. Y'all know I got the CPAP, right? And I finally, after way longer than I want to admit, went back to the doctor so I could get new supplies. My nightmare came true. What? I woke up with CPAP lines on my face. <gasps> oh, shit. I was like rubbing my rubbing my jowls to try to get it out <laughs> before I went to work. I was like, fuck, 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 fuck. <laughs> they ended up going away, but I was like, shit. But it was the first day with the mask, you know, so I adjusted it. And yeah. I've had them a little bit since then, but I was like, no. Oh, my gosh. Nightmare came true. Slept great, though, clearly. <laughs> had a good seal. <laughs> Still exhausted, but, you know, say la vie. <laughs> well, I didn't get new supplies, but I did binge a new podcast. It's called Scamanda. Wait, I've heard of it. Yes, it's so good. Is it? Yes, and I don't know how I never heard about it. For real, like, I've heard of it. No, I mean the actual thing. Oh. Because I used to read a lot of blogs and stuff like that. And this blogger blogged her life and it was all a lie. And she scammed people out of money. And just everything about it is just so cringe because you know she's a scammer. But it is so good. So y'all need to check it out. Did you get anything on Prime Days? I did not. Who are you and what have you done with Donna? On a budget. Touche. Okay, so in our kitchen, the person who owned the house before us put in a motion detector light thingy for the kitchen light. It sucks. It's always been super sensitive to where, like, I could be sitting on the couch and, like, literally barely move and it kicks on and then walk into the kitchen and it not come on. So it's, like, oddly sensitive but oddly sucks, too. But that has gotten exponentially worse over the last month or two. I mean, I can be, like, cooking a full meal and it doesn't come on. So we finally went and bought a like smart switch so I could be like, Alexa, blah, 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 you know? So we got it, but we hadn't put it in yet. And then found like the exact same one on Amazon for $10 cheaper during the prime days. So we got that. So I'm going to take the one back that we had already gotten because this hasn't even come out of the box yet. You know, we're lazy, okay? And then I got some shelves for the bathroom that were on my wedding. Dang, I should have looked at my wedding registry. I just have been seeing these on TikTok and put them on my wedding ring. I didn't even think about it. Look at that to see what I could get from there. Are they the like diagonal ones? No, they're like these metal ones that are supposed to be able to hold like a shit ton of weight. Uh, so to get, you know, big shampoo bottles yeah. and stuff off of the little ledge in our shower. Mm-hmm. And I got some more pillows that are supposed to be cooling because your girl is hot. Oh my God. And that fucking voice. Yeah, I don't know what the voice is, but uh, I'm hot. <laughs> Always says I'm a furnace and I'm going through early menopause. No, I looked at stuff, but ultimately I was like, I don't need it. And I don't have the money to get it, even though I didn't need it. Right. So I said, okay, never mind. There were some things that I was like, ooh. And then I was like, no, you do not need that. You don't have the money for that. Put it back. There were a few things, though, that I saw that their prime day price was what they always are. Like, they raised the price, Mm. and then they're like, 40% off. And it's like, that's literally what it was two weeks ago. Yeah, I saw some that was like 20% off, and I'm like, that's nothing. That's not a deal. Some of y'all buy an expensive shit on prime days, though. It would be like a elliptical completely sold out you know i'm like golly do you know how much i mulled over buying those pillows Colby was like i'm fine i don't need a new pillow i'm like but mine's not comfortable anymore you know like i'm not sleeping good because of my pillow it's like i really need a new one but i was like do i do i not do i do i not do i do i not and y'all over here buying damn ellipticals (laughs) says the girl who bought a peloton they never get on but i bought it used (laughs) well they bought it for a deal well something better than amazon prime days We got to see two of our buddies from New York. They were coming down, going through to go to New Orleans. 
and they stopped by and saw us, had lunch, laughed so freaking much. So shout out to Cindy and Dawn. Y'all were amazing. They're from New York and you know we love accents. And so I make Dawn say coffee all the time. Coffee. Y'all know that I love trash TV, like Sister Wives or Housewives, like that type of reality is my favorite. And y'all, the trailer for the new season of Sister Wives dropped, and Janelle is giving me life. She told him to shut the fuck up and let her talk. Never would I have thought that came would have come out of Janelle's mouth. Yeah. I'm so proud of her. Your birthday's coming up. It is. What do you want? To go to the petting zoo. I know, but like, what do you want? Strawberry cake? I, I swear <laughs> to God, I almost said, besides strawberry cake. <laughs> and she doesn't mean, like, one time I was like, you know, because I thought I was going to pretend like I knew how to bake. And I was like, you want me to make one with, like, strawberries? I was thinking maybe, like, a strawberry puree thing in the middle. Not that I know how to do any of that, but I was going to try to figure it out. And she was like, no, a box cake. A strawberry box cake with just pre-made strawberry icing. Mm-hmm. That's all she wants. And it's so damn easy, and I'm thankful. <laughs> Yes, I'm turning 38, and I want to go to a petting zoo. Well, one year for your birthday, we went and did... Did we do the sloth thing for your birthday? We did the sloth thing. We did the alpaca farm. And I don't think anything else can be as bad as that alpaca farm. Uh, This guy that I know did a swimming but with the otters recently, and he got scratched. And that is not cheap, swimming with the otters. No, it's not. Oh, because I was thinking when he told me that, I was like, oh my God, Donna would love that. Yes. And I was like gonna like look into it or whatever and he was like it's like three hundred dollars i was like okay never mind never mind not doing that i can just watch him play in the water yeah (laughs) it's good it's gonna be interesting to hear uh, about donna and see donna play with like what i'll have there porcupines can you touch the porcupines i don't know it said you could feed it okay well that's different than like holding it i don't know this is what's gonna happen i'm gonna get poked in the finger by one of their damn prongs. I don't know what they're called. She gave me the weirdest <laughs> look. I have no idea what they're called. It's going to go to the tendon sheath, and I'm going to get a freaking infection in my finger. Okay. And going to need surgery. Guarantee that's what happens. Okay. She's not a hypochondriac, though. Have you met me? You didn't get hurt at the alpaca farm, did you? Uh-uh. Or the saw. No, thank God I had just gotten off a pick line at the alpaca farm like two weeks before that. <laughs> but you didn't get hurt at the sloth either? No, I didn't. Uh-huh. But it's not like he could move that fast. That motherfucker could move a little bit, though. You know they don't do that anymore? He bit somebody. (gasps) What? (laughs) Yeah. You can't hold him anymore. Oh, shit. That mug said, I'm old. Quit holding me. Uh Uh-huh. Like, really, the person I know was like, yeah, he's old. He doesn't want to do it anymore. Yeah. I'm so glad he didn't bite me. That would have hurt my feelings. We're so boring this week. We have nothing to tell him. Mm-mm. It's rained. We've worked. Again, highlight with Cindy and Dawn coming down. Oh my God, speaking of rain. So somebody in Colby's family is pregnant right now and they posted it on Facebook. And the other night it was pouring down rain here. And we, Colby and I were finishing up dinner and I was like, oh my God, blah, blah, blah is pregnant. And like literally the words came out of my mouth and the thunder went, doo, 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 doo. <laughs> oh, that, I mean, it was like movie moment. Yeah. So it's so pregnant. Bum, 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 bum. <laughs> I was like, ooh, God, yeah. no sign. <laughs> My hyperfixation food has changed. It's no longer Pop-Tarts. Oh, really? It's white cheese Cheez-Its. Oh, I don't like those. I like the mixed bag, but like right now it's just the white cheddar. Mm. I have a feeling that my next one's going to be the jalapeno Cheetos. Stale, of course. Yeah, I was going to say, you can't do them right out of the bag, can you? I can't. I, these, I'm not talking hot Cheetos. That's just too hot. The jalapeno ones yeah. in the green bag. Um, no, I can. I do like them, but I prefer them stale. Yeah. My dad used to have like three bags open all the time beside his chair because <laughs> it was like in the process of staling. Yeah. So it's like he had one he could eat out of, one that was like a couple of days behind it, and then one that was like freshly opened. Yeah. Yeah, they do taste better stale to me too. Like you got me turned on to that. I went on a cheese it kick for a while, like a while. And when we play our games at night, if people are chomping, I'm like, what you eating? What you eating? You know? And one time, Ashlyn was like, Cheez-Its. And I was like, no, you're not. I know how they sound. And she was like, damn, you're right, though. I was just lying. (laughs) I was like, I'm addicted to Cheez-Its right now. (laughs) Also, in the Facebook group, I had asked about what people want in Patreon and stuff. Yeah. And... Karen said uh, a video of Carrie eating her Pop-Tart while she (laughs) records. (laughs) I was like, no, you don't want to see that. I think everybody works on a cheese it kick too, because every time I had it up, I was like, oh, give me some. Because they're so good. 
You know what else is really good? Gooder. Donna, you stole my thunder. <laughs> you took Patreoners and Gooder. What's Gooder, you ask? Well, sunglasses that are 100% polarized and very inexpensive. $25 for active sunglasses. They do not slip. They do not bounce. And like she said, 100% polarized. I wear them in the pool and I do not have headaches like I used to. They're super lightweight. They're super comfortable. And like Donna said, when you're active running, we don't do that, but like playing golf and all in the pool, whatever, they're not going anywhere. They're not going to bounce. They're not slipping off your face. They're there to stay. And they come in fantastic colors, styles. The names are freaking amazing. Anytime a brand has like good names on their product like that, I'm there. Like if your email's cute, if you're, you personalize it, you know, all of that, mm. just that little extra that, that companies do to go beyond that I love. And Gooder definitely does that because one, it's a great product, but two, just, I love their names and just the look of everything. Yeah. It gives the brand personality. They even have on the website where you can find your frames through a little quiz which I thought was cute or you can just shop the styles and because there are tons they have regular sizes they have sizes that are for a smaller frame face for a larger frame face and like we said they started only $25 a pair better yet there's a one-year warranty and 30 days free return so 100% satisfaction guaranteed and seriously we can vouch that gooder is the best I do love that they have different size frames for different size faces because like Don and Colby both got the big head. And so they have a hard time finding glasses and Gooder has glasses that fit them. You know what kind of Donna needs to get? This is literally one. It's called Short with Benefits. Oh my God. That's really going on my Tinder bio. And it's so cute because they're like, they have like this like turquoise aquamarine type color frames with the cutest lenses. Look, y'all got to check these out. These glasses are so freaking cute. Like, it's a summer vibe, for sure. And seriously, if you have a bigger head and you're like, oh, I don't know. No, these are perfect for it. Because seriously, I got a big melon. And Gooder sunglasses fit comfortably on my face. But again, they fit perfect where they don't slip. And honestly, I used to have prescription sunglasses that I would wear in the pool. And I would still get a headache. And so I thought, oh, I don't know, because these aren't prescription no, seriously, I do not have a headache from being out in the pool because the polarized lenses make that big of a difference. Like I've had gooder and I'm not going back. And y'all know I'm hard on everything. Literally everything. I've dropped my iPad three times since we've started recording. The good thing about Gooder is that they're inexpensive enough that you can have a couple of pair that you rotate through. Or, you know, if you scratch your husband's like I did, you can get him a new pair for relatively inexpensive. If you want free shipping, head on over to Gooder.com slash creeps. Note is plural. And use promo code creeps to get free shipping. 30 day money back guarantee with 100% satisfaction guaranteed. So again, that is gooder.com. So G-O-O-D-R.com slash creeps with an S and then use code creeps with an S to get free shipping. You are not going to want to miss this, whether you want them while you're having some fun in the sun or just running some errands. Head on over to gooder.com slash creeps and use promo code creeps. Okay, so my story this, sorry, so my, bleh. Okay, so my story this week came from a recommendation from Ann M. in the Facebook group. And I've seen it multiple times in multiple places. I'm going to be honest. I haven't done this yet because the story involves someone named Caleb Fairley. And every time I see it, I read Chris Farley. And he kind of looks like Chris Farley in like a not like in like an equate version way. Like not really, but like at a glance when you see Caleb Fairley and you see some hair that, you know what I mean? I'm like, Chris Farley. And, and I can't, I don't know why that just has stopped me from doing the story. But here we are. So just get ready because she's gonna fuck up the name. For sure. So this was on an episode of Forensic Files, but there's a like a blog called Forensic Files Now and then a podcast slash blog called Talk Murder to Me. And that's where I got a bunch of this stuff. Okay, so we're going to talk about Lisa Agostinelli Mandrak. So Lisa was born on September 30th, 1965, and she grew up with a brother. And her brother's best friend was James, who also went by Jimmy. So from the time she was like six years old, she was smitten with her older brother's friend, Jimmy. I've been there. I didn't have an older brother, but <laughs> you know I would have too. Yeah. 
So the two of them grew up as really good friends throughout the years. Once they became adults, Jimmy got married. It didn't take long for that marriage to end in divorce, which led to Jimmy and Lisa coming together and getting married in 1992. Once they were married, Lisa started working at a company as a forklift driver. And James worked, from what I could tell, some of the articles were written differently. Some of the articles made them sound like Lisa and Jimmy owned this like janitorial service company. And then some stuff made it sound like he worked for them and that she would help him on the weekends with other buildings for extra money. So I don't know if he worked somewhere else and they just owned that. Honestly, I couldn't never really find a straight answer. But on the weekends, they would clean different like office buildings and stuff together. Anytime I hear forklift, do you know who I think of? Colby? No, Mama June. Oh, her forklift foot. Man, I saw a TikTok with her. I think there's like a maybe a new show coming out. I think it's Pumpkin. She was she was the one closest in age to Alana. But um, she, you know, she got custody of Alana. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, Pumpkin and Mama June are sitting there talking. Mama June's been through it yeah i think she's doing drugs isn't she She did i don't know if she still is but she's got that guy like they sold the house they're living in a hotels now it's so sad the downfall well that was a tangent so lisa and jimmy had a daughter named devon marie who marie was lisa's middle name too so that was cute and of course lisa was absolutely smitten with devon So it was just a few weeks from Lisa's 30th birthday when this story occurs. So it's September 10th, 1995. Devin is about 18, 19 months old. I saw it different months, different articles. I mean, could I do the math? Yes. Am I going to? No. And Lisa decides that she and Devin are going to go shopping. There was a new kids clothing store not far from their house in Limerick, Pennsylvania. The clothing store was called Your Kids and Mine. Jimmy was at home watching football, and Lisa literally was just running up to the store, had no plans to stay long, like, pretty sure she didn't even take diapers with her. Like, it was like, hey, gonna just run up here real quick, I'll be back in like an hour. So the shop that they were going to, your kids and mine, was owned and operated by the Fairley family. Well, I feel like we know who the villain is in this story. So Ruth Fairley was the owner of the store, and she was married to James Fairley, who was a pharmacist. They had a couple of kids, and the one who helped in the store was Caleb. Not to be confused with Chris Farley. Exactly. Caleb Fairley. Exactly. Caleb's life seemed fairly normal growing up. Now, his mom was super hard on him. She was terrible. She would tell him things like, you're worthless, you're we're going to amount to nothing kind of thing. He also had a lot of trouble at school being bullied. He's a bit of a loner, and I think some of that was because he was so bullied. Like, even as he got older and tried to have jobs and stuff, his coworkers would bully him, and so he had a hard time keeping jobs because of that. God, that breaks my heart. When he was 15, his four-year-old brother, whom he was very close with, was killed in an accidental shooting. Oh, shit. Yeah, like his four-year-old brother was playing with a gun and it went off. Apparently, the gun was usually at the pharmacy, but it had been at their house. It's 1989, so there wasn't as much accountability of where you keep your guns. You know, now if that happened, the parents would be in trouble, you know. But back then, it wasn't. It was just, it was and still would be just a tragedy. But Caleb had a really hard time moving past his brother passing. One of the things that Caleb was bullied for was a rumor that he would be masturbating in the school bathroom. And he had an obsession with pornography. He did have a girlfriend at one point, but that didn't last very long. And in 1992, two different women reported to police that that he had been harassing them and like grabbing them inappropriately. That's not cool. But he was never charged with anything. It was just reported. So like I said, he didn't like his mom. They didn't get along. She would tell him things like he was stupid and all of those things. So he really retreated into himself and into a more loner life. And he got into fantasy type things like he was really into Dungeons and Dragons. Now the story happened right around the time too where it's like the 90s and you know it's kind of that oh my god people with Dungeons and Dragons are into witchcraft and you know yeah. I roll. Caleb also had this fascination with vampires. So on the day that Lisa went to that children's clothing store Caleb is the person who's working. Now Lisa was beautiful. She was very fair-skinned, had dark black hair, and unfortunately, she caught Caleb's eye. There was another customer in the store when Lisa was there, but once she paid and left, 
It was a little bit before four o'clock and the store was about to close. Lisa and Devin were the last customers in the store. So Caleb walked over to the door and locked the door so that they could not leave. What a fucking monster to attack her with her daughter there. I mean, to attack her, period. But like, you know her daughter's there. So when Lisa hadn't come home around dinner time, Jimmy's freaking out. Where are they? What's going on? So he's freaking out, like, do I call the police? Do I not? So he called his brother and his sister, and he's like, what do I do? And they're like, it's fine. She's probably just shopping. You know, don't worry. Everything's going to be fine. But later that night, when she hadn't come home, Jimmy's freaking out. So he ends up calling police. And at first, police are like, well, is anything missing? Like, would she have just left? You know, taken the kid and left? But no, like, she didn't even take a diaper bag. Like, she literally was only going to be gone like an hour. Yeah. They're like, well, make sure, see if she's got, you know, is there a suitcase missing? Is her toothbrush missing? Like, is there anything like that missing to indicate that she wouldn't be coming back? And he's like, no, not at all. And of course, we know that what really happened was far worse. Because while all this is going on, hikers find the body of a toddler. No! Police know that Lisa and Devin are missing. And so they ask Jimmy to come to see if this body is of Devin. And Jimmy's like, I can't do it. Oh my gosh. I can't can't do it. So his brother goes and identifies the body as Devin. Oh my God, that's heartbreaking. So the police thought it was pretty strange though that he wouldn't come to the hospital to identify the body, but he truly was just that upset. So it just is one of those things where it's like, sometimes what looks like suspicious behavior really is them just like mourning and their inability to get through something, you know? But it's like on the flip side, you know how sometimes it's like they were over the top with their wailing and how Mm -hmm. upset they are and it's it makes you go, hmm, are they lying? But then sometimes they really are like that or they're stoic and they aren't crying or whatever and it's like, oh, they got to be guilty. They're not even crying. Their child just died and it's like, but yet they really didn't do it. It's just how they process it. So that's why this is so hard. I mean, Mm -hmm. you know, among other things, like a toddler's been murdered. I just imagine that makes it that much harder for detectives because no matter how much you study human behaviors and how people process things, we're still people and we're still going to process them differently. Mm -hmm. When they found Devin's body, her collarbone had been broken and she had died from suffocation. Oh, fuck. But the police still don't know where Lisa is. But before they had even found Devin's body, the police went to the shopping center to go, okay, let's just see, you know. Like, let's retrace the steps. Right. And when they get there, they do see her 1988 Firebird. And there's nothing around it to indicate anything happened to them getting in or out of the car. But again, they knew that they were going to the Your Kids and Mine. So... They were like, well, let's go see who owns this. Like, let's find out who was working. Did they see her? So they find out that the Fairleys own it. And they find out that Caleb was the one working. So they talked to him on the phone. And they're like, hey, did you notice anybody by this description, you know, here around that time? And he's like, no, I don't remember it. And like, well, do you mind coming down to the police station just to look at some pictures to see if maybe you saw him without realizing them? And he was like, absolutely. I'll come down there. When he gets there, police notice that he has a lot of makeup on, like foundation on. Oh. And they're like, can you wash your face? Really? They ask him that? Yeah. And he does. He has scratches on his face. And so they're like, where'd you get those scratches? And he's like, oh, well, I went to a concert last night and it was like a raw concert. And <laughs> they, it w- I was in the mosh pit and I got scratched up in the mosh pit. And they're like, mm-hmm. So they kind of wrap all that up and they get some information that someone had seen like towards the end of the day, somebody vacuuming in the store. So the police end up getting a search warrant like for the store and Fairley's house. They do find the vacuum and it has some long black hairs in it. And then they go to the Fairley's house because Caleb was living with his parents. They find a lot of pornography. I'm not shaming porn by any means, but it was very like violent. Yeah. And anytime you have like excess of anything. Yeah. It's a little alarming. Right. Well, they also find videos of adults and children changing in the dressing rooms (gasps) because he had hidden cameras. No. Yeah. Man, Caleb, I felt sorry for you. We were rooting for you. We were all rooting for you. Yes. Just kidding. That was from, uh, was it from? America's Next Top Model. Thank you. I couldn't get the words out. Imagine that. But Tyra Banks. (laughs) Yes. 
But seriously, like, you feel sorry for him going through, like, having your mom say that. But, like, then you fucking proved her true. They also say that there was a t-shirt with, like, a vampire molesting a woman. And the woman actually kind of looked like Lisa. Oh, God. I know this sounds weird, but this is really my theory. I really think that she had the dark hair and was so light-skinned that it looked like some someone from his vampire mm-hmm. things and it was like he couldn't help himself yeah when you said she had pale skin i was like oh shit yes like i really feel like it was like truly all of his fantasies came to life in her and uh-huh. he just couldn't help himself i mean he could like yeah. but you know what i mean it was like he couldn't control his urge and well and he had terrible impulse control we know from masturbating grab- and, and grabbing and other that. people yeah. yes it breaks my heart just thinking like he vacuumed up her hair and stuff like you know it was violent she scratched him, you know, and yeah. all of that. And it's just like so violent how Devin died so violent. They did like, you know, the black light stuff. They found semen, but it was also like, okay, we have this, but like, did he just jack off in the store? Or is this proof of what he did to Lisa? I mean, it's proof of what he did to Lisa. However, it's not stand up in a court of law. Yeah. So the police bring him back in for more questioning to be like, look, this is the evidence we found. Like, we found your porn stash. We found the semen stains. The jig is up. Like, tell us. So when he came in, he actually flipped the script on police because they were going to be like, hey, let's try to get some more information out of him. And he comes in ready to make a deal. He tells police, I'll tell you where Lisa's body is if you don't seek the death penalty. So the police are like, wait, what? Like, we didn't even really have enough to arrest you. And now you're going to take us to her body? Sure. Now, everything I read, except for one article, said that the family was cool with this deal. But one article quoted Jimmy saying, like, I had no idea about this deal. I wish they would have consulted us. Like, I'm so thankful for all their hard work. But, like, you should have talked to me. I don't know if the family was cool with it or not. But he pointed on a map where Lisa was. And it was miles away from Devin's body. And Lisa's body was found in an industrial park. And he had her posed very sexually. Her legs were spread out. Her shirt was pulled up. So her breasts were exposed. Like he really posed her how he saw her as like a sex object for him. Lisa had also been strangled. But that girl had put up a fight. Her nails were broken and bloody. And like you could tell that she fought literally to the death. So they were able to find his DNA under her fingernails. And because now they had her hair, they were able to match it to what was in the vacuum cleaner. And there were some fibers on Lisa's shirt that were microscopically similar to fibers on Caleb's shirt. Caleb was arrested for both murders, aggravated assault, theft, and abuse of a corpse because he sexually assaulted her after she had passed. Oh my gosh. But he actually went to trial because he only confessed for where her body was to get the death penalty off the table. They still went to trial. Like he did not make a deal. Oh. But of course, he was found guilty and sentenced to life in prison. He has tried a couple of times to get the life in prison thrown out because, you know, the Supreme Court ruled that someone under the age of 18 is unconstitutional to give them life in prison. But he was 21 when the murders happened. But his argument was, yeah, but like sometimes 21-year-olds are like 18-year-olds, basically. Oh my gosh. So we need to make it 21 and under. But everybody was like, nah. And he is still living in prison in Pennsylvania. I did the um, like inmate search for him, found him. He's still there. On one of the articles, I did see that his parents settled a lawsuit filed by Lisa's mom and Jimmy for $1.6 million. And then I saw where Caleb's dad, James, remember how I told you he was a pharmacist? That he got caught giving painkillers to people in exchange for sex. Oh my gosh. In 1998, the Limerick Township Park System built a Mandarak Memorial Playground in honor of Lisa and Devin. Oh, that's sweet. In 2012, they raised like $50,000 for new equipment for that playground too. So it seems to be rocking and rolling in their honor. And fuck Caleb because he's still in prison in Fayette State Correctional Institution. I don't know what I thought he was going to do to Devin, but since you said like his target was Lisa, yeah, I'm like, okay, well, Devin's only this year's old or whatever, you know, so she's just, not going to remember anything. Yeah. So I was like trying to think, okay, he might just like leave her outside somewhere. So I was shocked. Yeah. Oh my gosh. 
and just the way he disposed of her because like hikers found her off this embankment that this road goes over literally this is terrible so if you need to skip forward please do he literally threw her from the car oh my god oh my god i have chills who can do that I, i don't know I think I could have went forever without knowing that. I just feel so sorry for Jimmy, too, because he, of course, was initially the suspect because a wife and a baby go missing. Like, you're going to suspect the husband. And then, you know, and like I said, he didn't go to identify the body. And so police were like, oh, is this him? And then they're like, oh, wait, no, it's not at all. You know, they quickly realized. And I'm sure that people could do some sleuthing and find him. But he's essentially like off the grid. Like, he's not in any of the shows that do this story and all. But they were just such a like a beautiful, happy, and I don't, I don't mean just like appearance, but like their family was just beautiful. Like they were yeah. just such a cute, happy little family. And it just breaks my heart for Jimmy because he lost the love of his life and his baby. Yeah. Well, and it's like when something like that happens, you just think, you know, you say bye. Okay, I'll see you in an hour. He's watching football. No, you know, like whatever. He's probably like, all right, bye, whatever. And that's the last time you're going to see them. And it just, you said it, I think... The last episode that life can change in an instant and his life forever changed and how he didn't want to see the body and stuff. I can see him not wanting to be involved in any of the shows. Like, I think he just cannot handle that. Right. Well, and also that's your child. Like, that's not how he wants to remember her. Yeah. Like sometimes, you know, when you have, especially like a gruesome murder and it's like, they want to see the body and you're like, you can't take this back. If you see them, you know, it's like, you cannot take this back. That may be him too. He's like, I don't want to remember her this way. Yeah. I want to remember her as a living being and not you know yeah especially I mean seeing somebody after they've been embalmed and with makeup and all of that's hard enough but Mm -hmm. to see what he would have had to have seen no yeah oh I do want to say this though because this is very sweet and then we can move on but Devin and Lisa were buried in the same coffin together so they are together forever oh gosh so hopefully your story's a little lighter Well, I did plan ahead. Because you knew you were going second? Uh Uh-huh. Literally, I wrote that. I knew I was going second. (laughs) Well, before you get into your story, we got to talk about HelloFresh because they are back. And y'all know that Donna and I both love HelloFresh and we're using HelloFresh way before they became sponsors of this podcast. HelloFresh is America's number one meal kit. And what is that, you ask? I'm going to steal Carrie's line. But it is pre-portioned ingredients and recipes delivered right to your doorstep. No grocery shopping at all. You go online and you say, this looks good, this looks good, and it's shipped to you. And it's so easy to prepare, I can do it. She's not lying because she is not a cook. I am not a cook. But you are getting chef-crafted seasonal recipes that are, like she said, delivered to your door. You're not going out and buying a $45 thing of spice because you need a dash of salt. Right. And HelloFresh's menu features calorie smart, protein smart, vegan options, vegetarian options, Quick and easy, family-friendly, all with pre-portioned ingredients to help cut down on food waste, which is huge for me because, you know, you see all those videos with people stocking their stuff and, well, I have to unstock my fridge to restock it because I throw away so much food that goes bad. And with HelloFresh, you don't have to worry about that because everything's pre-portioned. And they really do have a recipe. They have pictures. And so you can see what your meal is supposed to look like. And I'm a visual learner. Me too. That's one of my favorite parts is I'm like, okay, this is what it's supposed to look like at the end. Okay, that I can do. And a lot of these meals are one pot wonders too. And every single week, you have over 40 recipes to choose from. So even the pickiest eaters, aka me and your kids, we can find something we like. And something else I like, HelloFresh is 25% cheaper than takeout. And like I said, your girl's on a budget. And some of these meals can be ready in 15 minutes or less. So now you speak in my language because I don't like to cook and I dang sure don't want to spend a lot of time doing it when I have to. So if you want to try out HelloFresh to see for yourself how great it is, save time, save money, all the things, head on over to HelloFresh.com slash creep50 and use code creep50 for 50% off plus free shipping. Again, that's HelloFresh.com slash creep50 and use code creep50 for 50% off plus free shipping. And like we said, it's straight to your door. So don't forget, one more time for the cheap seats in the back, HelloFresh.com slash Creep50 and use code Creep50 for 50% off plus free shipping. 
Okay, seriously, since Carrie stole my thunder and I said, so I knew I was going second and I thought I would do a lighter story. Always stealing my thunder. I'm sorry, I didn't even know I was. Okay, so I'm going to tell you about the house that is known as the strangest house in America. Now, you might be thinking the Winchester Mystery House, but it ain't that. This house is strange, but it doesn't have that underlying eerie factor that the Winchester Mansion does. Because you know how the psychics told Sarah Winchester like to keep building yeah. and it would confuse the spirits? I need to cover that house. Anyway, but like that's an eerie thing. Right. This house had a lot of renovations and never really was finished, but not for the same reason. The house is known as Kerner's Folly, and it's located in Kernersville, North Carolina. So first, you know, I'm going to tell y'all some history. The town gets its name from a man who bought land in 1817. His name was Joseph Kerner. Get it? Kernersville. He had immigrated from Germany. Now, his grandson was born in 1851, Julius Gilmer Kerner, who went by Jewel. Now, their last names pronounce the same, but spelled different, and I don't know why. What? Because if it was the other way around, I would say that the grandfather was spelled the German way, and this one was now, you know how people Mm -hmm. come to America and then it's like their name gets Americanized? Yeah. But it's like the other way around. So I I don't know. Which, that's not right. Completely agree. But it happened, and so you're just acknowledging that it happened. Yeah. I mean, seriously, my dad came over, and his middle name was Gustave, and people would call him Stave, and that didn't make sense to the people that he worked with here, and so they called him Steve. So that's been his name. That's how I always knew your dad was Steve. Yeah. So the family was wealthy. I mean, hello, the grandfather bought this land, created this town. They got money. And it was in the South back in the day. So I'm just going to throw this out there. They did own slaves. And I just feel so cringe saying that. But I saw on the History Goes Bump podcast blog. And when I was reading it, the story reminded me of the help. It also was sweet in an endearing way, but also the underlying tone is bad because the person I'm about to talk about was enslaved. But Jules' mother passed away when he was two years old. One of the enslaved women, Clara, became the children's caretaker. Now, Clara did love all the children, but she had a tender spot for Jules, as did he with her, because he was just two when his mom passed. Like, let's not forget that she wasn't free in this arrangement, but she loved the children. The children loved her, but she was forced to be their caretaker, you know? Right. Well, she's still a caring, nurturing person, so she's going to love the kids. Yes. And it just reminded me of the help because, you know, when Abilene is like, we love their kids. Their kids love us, but then their kids grow up and they become our employers. And the kids love them until they're taught not to. Yes. So Jewel and Clara's story is a little different than the helps. So Jewel moved off to college and he moved back when he got finished and he moved back into the family house with his brother, Joseph. And they were both bachelors and they were like, hey, Clara, do you want to come live here? You know, take care of us bachelors because we don't know how to fucking do anything, but we're going to party and, you know, like do all of our shit And you could come take care of the house and us and all the things. Now, the thing is, Clara had her own house at that point because she had been given it by Jules dad. But she was like, sure, I'll move back in with you. And she used that house that she had as rental property. So she was getting some money, you know, business woman. Good for her. Uh Uh-huh. And also that was unheard of for an African-American woman to have property. And I don't know how many slaves they had. It never like really said. But I do know that Clara and her mother and sister were enslaved to another family. Those people moved or something. And so they were up for selling in. Which the idea that you can sell people, like, I don't know how that was ever okay. Yeah. But Clara's mom was like, please do not let them get separated because we'll never see each other again. We'll never do any of this. And so the Kerners bought... Clara. And I can't remember who else, like the mother or the sister were still in the same town, but one of them was sold off and they never saw each other again. And I can't remember, but that that's so fucking sad. 
But anyway, okay. <laughs> I don't know why I'm getting so emotional. I think your story really got me. And then now this, and it's just like, oh my gosh. Anyway, so she's there. She's doing her rental property. And later in 1855, this is after the house is built that I'm about to talk about. He built Clara a cottage behind the house. And he was like, you have your privacy. Like later on, he had kids and stuff. And so she was their caretaker as well. Like their governess at this point, like it wasn't the same thing. She was an employee. She had freedom. Like it wasn't, he didn't buy her. You know what I mean? She was an employee. And so he was like, I want you to know that you have autonomy. This is your place. You don't have, you know what I mean? Right. So again, it's not like, It was like separate but equal with him. Like, no, that is, I built this for you. And when Clara passed away, Jewel wanted her to be buried in their family plot because he always said she was his second mom. However, segregation was still going on, obviously, because it went on forever. But the church was like, nope, not going to happen. That's disgusting. Uh Uh-huh. And so Jewel was like, okay, bought the land right next to the church to the church's graveyard and made it their own private plot and buried Clara there as the first person. And that's where like him and his family were buried after that. Good for him. Yeah. So again, like they really did have a bond. Like how can a church say that you can't let someone be buried somewhere based off of their skin? You know what I mean? I know. And I'm like, it's a church. Like everyone should be welcome in a church. Yeah. What the fuck? So that is all really just an aside from the story. But, you know, like now you know a little bit about the history. But back to Jewel coming back from college. And he is all about arts and design. And basically, Bob Ross would be his hero. But, you know, he wasn't alive yet. But you get my drift. And Jewel was determined to start his career and make a name for himself. And he did. He became a sign painter. But he also, like, loved interior design. But first and foremost... He was a sign painter. And that might sound like, oh, okay, he was a sign painter. But no, 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 no. He did the kind, like we love today, that's now like really big again on the brick walls. And it's like a mural and all of that. And it's the stuff that becomes Instagram viral, where people want to take pictures in front of it on Instagram and stuff. Like it's all of that. And it's just what you think of when you think of a small town back in the day. That's where they would have advertisements. They didn't have billboards. Right. But Joel got his big break when he was given the opportunity to paint signs, aka sides of buildings, for the Bull Durham Tobacco Company, which was like the shit during this time. And so Joel was like, I'm going to seize this opportunity. And he decided to create a company with a pseudonym. And this pseudonym, it's so random. It's Reuben Rink. And his full company name is Reuben Rink Decorating and House Furnishing Company. Now, you know I like a mouthful, but that's a lot. Ruben Rink House Decorating Painting Signs Company. <laughs> Kinda. What's Ruben Rink? That's his pseudonym. I know, but like... I have no idea why he chose that. You know all I can think of with that? Don't know why Ruben stuttered. Oh my God. Remember him? Yeah. Well, you know I had to bring up that that name does not have the same ring to it as... I don't know. You don't know? I don't know. Bob's Bizarre Bazaar. Oh, yeah. God, one time we had this story. (laughs) That was classic. Okay, however, I'm now jumping ahead to present day because the great-great-grandson of Jewel Kerner opened up an advertising and marketing business with the name Ruben Rink in honor of Jewel. And on their website, it said that Jewel's work for the Bull Durham Tobacco Company is acknowledged as one of the first outdoor ad campaigns in American history. And not only that, but it's also one of the most successful. Damn. Good on you, Bull Dink. <laughs> what was it? Rink. Ruben Rink. Okay. Bull Dink. That's now the bull, name. Bull, bull Durham. Bull Didham. Bull, bull Durham. Bull yes. Durham. Yeah. But you said bull dink. <laughs> okay, so now Joel, a.k.a. Reuben Rink, a.k.a. Bull Dink, <laughs> he was making strides with his company. And so in 1877, he started building a house. And that house would become known as Kerner's Folly. And he wanted to use his house in a way to show off his skills of design, of furniture making, all the things. 
And when the house got further along, it didn't look exactly like what the neighbors thought, you know, a quote unquote normal house should look like. And so they started saying shit about the house, you know, and even his cousin had started saying, oh, that house is going to be Jewel Kerner's folly. And Jewel heard these rumors and stuff. And so when he finished the house in 1880, He sent out invitations for the grand opening, and he leaned into that name and welcomed everyone to come tour his new home, which was called Kerner's Folly. So it was just kind of like a big fuck you to all the naysayers. Um, Does folly mean like a downfall or like a a uh uh-oh? Yeah, it means like uh uh-oh for sure. But then also I think another folly could be like whimsical too, but like uh uh-oh is the best way to put it, I think. Well, (laughs) rink-a-dink-dink. Now, the thing is, yes, construction was completed in 1880, but Jewel kept doing renovations, doing additions, all the things, because like I mentioned, he used his house like a portfolio that you could walk through, see all of his craftsmanship. In total, Kerner's Folly is over 6,000 square foot, has 22 rooms, three floors, but even though it looks like three floors on the outside, it's actually seven levels on the inside. And the ceiling heights range from five and a half to 25 feet tall. Five and a half? I could not walk up right in that room. Yes. And almost every room had a fireplace. Everything was unique. Like even the windows and shutters, no sets of windows were really alike because he wanted to give all the options. The brick exterior had various sized bricks, like I think eight different sizes. That gives me anxiety. So he could literally show his customers, this is what you would get. So it was kind of like a Frankenstein house, but on purpose. Now, that room that you were like, I couldn't even walk up right in, that was the children's playroom. I swear to God, I almost said, that has to be a room for kids because they're the only ones that could stand up in there. Yes. And so it was like a mini-sized room for the kids. So it was that whimsical feeling. But now, they were homeschooled there, and so their tutor tutored them in that room. No. I'm like, hopefully she wasn't tall. Anyway, and so you know, like... In Atlanta, when we went to that Fox Theater, and we were like, at the ceiling, because it had that beautiful, like, mural up there. Is that how you say it? Mural? Mural. Yeah, Yeah, that ain't what you said. You know what? (laughs) I questioned it, okay? Well, apparently, that's called a fresco painting, like a ceiling fresco. Mm -hmm. He had that in almost every room that he hand-painted. Like, he did that for famous people and shit. Like, he was... He was a sign painter, but like he really was a craftsman with his brush. And so everything in this house was very ornate. You know, he had arches, he had all the crown molding, he had all this painting everywhere that was just like, it looked like what you would think a Victorian like Versailles would look like. You know, it was just very decadent. I don't think that's the right word, but you know what I mean? Sounds right. I mean, decadence for food, I think, but you know, whatevs. It could be a Victorian Willy Wonka factory. Do you know that the cup that he bites when he's like singing and he bites the little teacup uh-huh. thing? You know, that was just wax. And like, he was like chewing, chewing. And as soon as they said cut, he was like, Pleh. oh my God, no. <laughs> wasn't real. I always wanted that though. It wasn't real. He said the, like the big lollipops and stuff were real. Mm. And then I forget something else, but like everything else was fake. Damn. My childhood's ruined. Sorry. I literally just saw a TikTok on that like yesterday. <laughs> and it was like an old, old interview with Gene Wilder. Well, I would think it wasn't recent. Well, you know what I mean though. <laughs> like it's, I'm saying it's old knowledge that we should have yeah. known all this time. I mean, it makes sense. Okay. That's my trivia for the day. Okay. Perfect. We have like two, maybe three tangent times. It's been a while, I guess. Mm-hmm. We did both have cheesecake at dinner, too. We so. did. Oh, my God. We did. Okay. Now back to Kerner's Folly. Everything was going great for Jewel. And six years later, he married the love of his life. Her name was Polly Alice Mastin, but she went by Alice. They both loved everything about theater, art, photography. You know, they were just like peas in a pod. They had two children. First, a son, Joel Gilmer Kerner Jr., and he went by Gilmer. And then a daughter, Allie Dore Kerner, who went by Dore. Okay, and another thing I have to include, even though it's, you know, what is it, hide nor hair, it's not pertinent to the story. 
Dore loved animals and she really loved cats. She had like 13 cats at one point, but guess what else she had? A raccoon named Bob. I was like, this girl is after my own heart. Bob the raccoon and the cats would just play together, all the things. I wish she had TikTok back then because I would have watched her videos. You really would have. Okay, so now changing directions a little bit. Alice, unfortunately, was stricken with typhoid fever pretty soon after they married and never really got over it. So she was pretty ill the rest of her life. But Alice didn't let that stop her from pursuing her dream of being connected with the arts. So Alice and Jewel co-founded the Kernersville Orchestra, and then they also had a drama club for kids. And Jewel designed and built a theater called Cupid's Park Theater on the top floor of the house. And that's where Alice would write and produce plays, and, you know, they'd have the shows there and all the things. Jewel Kerner died in 1924 in the master bedroom, and then 10 years later, almost to the day, Alice passed away in the house as well. So the kids did their own thing, had families. They used the house as their summer house for a little bit, but then they ended up renting the house out for income, which it transitioned from a home to an antique shop and then a funeral home over the years. However, later on, the house was just abandoned due to the extreme upkeep cost. And because it was abandoned, really, it was falling into disrepair. Now, there were some locals who did not want to see this landmark of history go. I think it was like 20 locals got together and they formed Kerner's Folly Foundation and they bought the home in 1970. And that's when they started the restoration and they have kept like 90% of the furnishings are original to the house. And we all know that objects can definitely hold energy. So some believe because of this, there are spirits in the house. So that brings us to the paranormal part. Even if the visitors from the house say they didn't experience anything in the house, they still say that they had a feeling of being watched, but not in an aggressive way, more like they were just being observed. When the house was unoccupied, one of the residents was paid to keep it as tidy as it could be. Like she cleaned it, but it was also old, not lived in. So, I mean, again, it couldn't be spick and span. Well, she was inside cleaning and she heard footsteps coming down the staircase. But when she looked around, she couldn't find anyone. And she was like, I knew I was alone, but she was still unnerved. There have been people who said that in the children's playroom, they've heard kids giggling and like the little pitter-patter of feet running around. And also the theater on that top floor has a lot of activity. So the theater is still being used, mainly for rehearsals and small community plays. And some of the actors have said that when they've turned all the lights out, you know, went through the seven levels of fucking stairs, exited the house, they looked back and all the lights were on. So you can't just leave them on. You got to go back and trek up those seven levels of stairs and turn off all the lights. And honestly, it doesn't matter if it's just one flight or four steps. I don't want to go up them multiple times a night. Another occurrence that happened in the theater, an HVAC worker was up there working on the AC, duh, and he said he felt something tap his hat's brim three times. And he was like, nope, got out of there quick, fast, and in a hurry. And now speaking of being tapped three times, there was an investigator in the theater and he was on the stage and his shoulder got tapped three times in a row. A little girl has also been on the stage too, like she's been seen. A little girl has also been witnessed on the porch by a local resident. And remember when I said that the house had functioned as an antique store at one time? The owners said that there were a handful of occasions that they would come in to open the shop up and the furniture would all be rearranged. And now remember, a lot of the furnishings and stuff were still the Kerners in there. And so I just feel like that would be me as a ghost. Like my couch does not belong there. It belongs here. I want this facing here. I would fucking rearrange shit. Yeah. On ghostvillage.com, Deanna Kelly Syed, I think that's how you say her name. I'm so sorry if it's not. She explains that when they were investigating the children's playroom, she caught an EVP of a little girl saying, peekaboo. Mm-mm. No, thank you. <laughs> and then another time it said, haunted. 
Now, the haunted EVP came after Deanna was joking around because she was about to do an upcoming lecture on the history and the paranormal of Kerner's Folly. And she was like, you know what? I need some new evidence that this place is haunted. And like right then it's like, haunted. It's just kind of like what a kid would think like, okay, we're going to show them it's haunted. Uh, Just say haunted. You know what I mean? Or the ghost could have been like you and just panic answered. Like when I was in the ER and you just said like, you were my best friend or whatever. Mm-hmm. On the intake form, y'all. If you don't know that story, she wrote that on the intake for the ER. Anyway, there was another EVP that they called when they were starting an EVP session. So, you know, like usually they'll be like, you can talk to us. We're going to capture it, you know, and like all the things. And there was a little kid and it asked, what's an EVP? <gasps> and I was like, if that's not Carrie as a fucking ghost right there. You're not wrong. I saw a YouTube video and it was from Halloween 2011 and it was from WXII 12 News. It had a reporter from the station, Veronica, and then the Winston-Salem Paranormal Society or WISP and they were together and going to stay overnight, investigate the house. They did an EVP session and had a flashlight on the stage while they were doing it in the theater. And when Bonnie, who was the lead investigator, asked if anyone was there, the flashlight turned on. And no one was around it. And so Bonnie thanked the spirit for letting them know that they were there and that they could turn off the flashlight. And it did. Now, there was someone at base camp watching. And around the time that the flashlight turned on and off, there was an orb that was kind of hovering right above it, which we know orbs, usually dust, usually an insect. But it was something to note that the flashlight turned on and off and there was this like orb right above it. Then they went to the master bedroom and the spirits communicated with the flashlight again. This time, Veronica, the reporter, asked if there was more than one person with them and if it was to turn the flashlight off. And it did. And then she wanted to kind of verify the gender and she asked if it was a female to turn it back on and the light turned on again. They also had some electronic interference and the camera batteries drained when they were in that bedroom. The next room they investigated was the children's playroom. You know, the short ass ceilings. Mm -hmm. Well, they were sitting there doing an EVP session. And Bonnie had just said out loud, like, you know, you can turn on the light. You can turn off the light. And then you hear a hushed child's voice say, turn. Veronica said that the flashlights were new in the package. The kind that you have to like tear open that kind of package like that I hate. I was just about to say those are so hard to get into. Yes, I always like will cut my hand on them because those hard fucking plastic things like just make it easier. Anyway, but it was in that kind of the plastic wrap and they had just placed batteries in it for the first time, you know, and she said that she even played around with them to make sure like they weren't easily manipulated or anything. And she was convinced that they were not. And so when that stuff with the flashlights happened, she was shocked, excited and scared because she was like, oh shit, that's legit. Like I have fucked with those enough and they didn't just easily turn on, easily turn off or anything like that. But then this ghost just kept turning on and off like a fucking rave. Now, there are some rooms that smell like cigarettes and others smell like cigars. But remember, Creep Mom said that like the smell can get into the wood and like if it heats up or anything, like the vapors are released. That's not really paranormal. It's like residual residue from the residents. That's a lot of ours. All in all, the activity seems to be a mix of residual and intelligent. Like we had the residual going up the stairs, the children laughing, that kind of thing. But then also the interactions with the flashlight, the EVPs saying words that they have said or, you know, things like that. But the main thing is none of the energy ever has felt negative. You can go and tour Kerner's Folly and see the strangest house in America. It's always the story behind it that's the most interesting to me. Yeah. When I was watching that news clip on YouTube, some of those rooms, I'm like, that's a fat man squeeze right there. Like people were just smaller back in the day. Like uh-huh. I think they even said like the average height for a male in like the 1800s was like five, six. Yeah. One of the girls had to turn sideways to get through a door. And I'm like, 
I don't even think I could turn sideways and fit through there. Like, I'd just be like, okay, meet you later. Like, what else? This house does have like trap doors. Not ones that like you could fall through, but like if you know where they are, it goes up to the roof and you know, all the things. It has like little tunnels under the house. That's so cool. Yeah, growing up, they had so much fun. And again, it was like a life-sized dollhouse. Mm -hmm. It was so whimsical and beautiful and just so unique. I just love that what they said would be his folly. It's his legacy. For sure. I love that he like gave him the big fuck you though Mm -hmm. by naming it that. And then he did the porch and tile. And again, he was like before his time, honestly, unless this was like really popular back then, but it's now popular now. So I know, but it was like the penny tile and he put Kerner's folly in that, you know, like, so it had like, yeah, like it had like the black and white penny tile, but like in gold or yellow, it says Kerner's folly on the porch. There was no wall that was not touched by him that had pictures and ornate just decorations and beautiful for that time. And even beautiful now, like those hand-painted ceilings and all that, even if it's like not your aesthetic, it's still just like, wow, like someone hand-painted that. For sure. It's like the Sistine Chapel. Yeah. Meanwhile, I can't draw a stick figure. Me either. I'm like, how are people so talented? Like, you see those people that draw two drawings at the same time with, like, two pencils, like, attached to each other? I'm like, how do you do that? I can't draw one. And they're both so good. Yes. I didn't know your story was going to be that heavy, so I really am glad I did this one. And honestly, like, I didn't want to do a real heavy one myself because I've just had anxiety lately and stuff. So it was like, Mm -hmm. this was just an easier one to do. Well, then you have to relive it multiple times because you edit it, too. (laughs) Thank y'all so much for listening. Don't forget, look, we know everybody can't support us on Patreon, but there's other ways you can support it. But there's other ways you can support us. One, by supporting our sponsors, but also, like, reviewing us on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify. And then, you know, spreading the word. So thank y'all so much for listening. And remember, creep it real and and don't don't get get scared. scared.